Welcome to A Great Big City News, episode 27. Today, the Manhattan helicopter crash and vet care for homeless pets. Visit agreatbigcity.com slash support to learn how to support New York City local news and allow us to keep bringing you this podcast. If you are a New York-based business and would be interested in sponsoring our podcast, visit agreatbigcity.com slash advertising to learn more. Hi, I'm Trace Gilton, founder of A Great Big City. The top story this week has to be the second helicopter crash within the past month, this time atop a building in Midtown. The details will be sorted out after the NTSB investigation concludes, but currently we know that on Monday, June 10th, a helicopter used by American Continental Properties for shuttling executives around the area entered the airspace above Manhattan and crashed in the center of Midtown on the roof of the AXA Equitable Building at 787 7th Avenue between 51st and 52nd around 1.43 p.m. Smoke from the crash could be seen across Midtown, and the large emergency response clogged the busy area in the middle of the day. Only the pilot, Timothy McCormack, was on board and was killed in the crash, and most of the wreckage stayed atop the building, with photos from the FDNY showing that most debris had come to rest in a sunken area next to the building's large heating and air conditioning units. According to details released by the NTSB, the pilot had flown from Westchester to the 34th Street helipad earlier in the day and dropped off a passenger around 11.45 a.m., then waited at the helipad while rain and fog covered the city. By 1.30 p.m., he took off en route to Linden, New Jersey, when weather conditions were rainy with only a one-half-mile visibility and clouds at 500 feet. Video from before the crash shows a helicopter flying erratically, turning and diving across the East River before pointing toward Manhattan and disappearing into the clouds. There has of yet been no official confirmation that the helicopter in the video is the same one that crashed, but it does appear to have the same paint pattern as the crashed helicopter and was recorded just before the crash. The FAA has made it clear in their statement that the pilot was not in contact with them for this flight, as most of the airspace above the rivers surrounding Manhattan does not require filing a flight plan or contacting air traffic control. In addition, the FAA confirms that Timothy McCormack was not licensed to fly in bad weather because he was not instrument-rated, meaning that he was not qualified to fly a helicopter using only the instrument panel, and he was only certified to fly in good weather when visibility was greater than three miles. The NTSB will work to investigate what caused a pilot to steer into the middle of Manhattan, but will not have the benefit of a flight data recorder or a cockpit voice recorder, since the helicopter was also not required to be equipped with either of those systems. The NTSB is also working to confirm reports that the pilot radioed back to the helipad after taking off, indicating that he needed to return and was unsure of his position. If you saw anything that day or have photos or video of the crash, Email witness at ntsb.gov. The NTSB expects to release a preliminary report within two weeks, and the full investigation will take 18 to 24 months. Thirty-four years ago, on June 12, 1985, a teen and his brother attempt to rob a plainclothes police officer near Morningside Park, leading the officer to shoot and kill one of them. Lee Van Houten was on duty as a plainclothes officer at the time and was pulled to the ground and beaten. He pulled his gun from an ankle holster and fired at the attempted robbers, killing 17-year-old Edmund Perry while his brother, Jonah Perry, escaped. 
Despite public outcry after the shooting and headlines claiming that the honor student was killed just for being black, 23 witnesses corroborated the police officer's story of the attempted robbery and the shooting was deemed justified. The shooting is rumored to have partially inspired Michael Jackson's song Bad, which was released shortly after the incident. Jackson said in an interview that it was based on a magazine story he had read around the time of the shooting, but the lyrics tell an altered story of a private school student being killed by his peers after coming back home from school. Four years ago on June 13, 2015, three attempted terrorists are arrested in a pressure cooker bomb plot. The three proclaimed allegiance to ISIS and one even described al-Qaeda as too moderate. They discussed traveling to ISIS-controlled territory to fight alongside the terror group, but also wanted to carry out an attack within the United States and had planned a suicide attack against law enforcement using pressure cooker bombs. Multiple members of the group had been under surveillance and had approached the undercover officers following them and informed their ISIS contacts overseas that they were under surveillance, which led to the planning of their attack. The group was known to have assisted New Jersey resident Nadir Saadeh in traveling overseas to join ISIS, where he was apprehended, returned to the United States, and pled guilty, receiving a 10-year prison sentence. During the execution of a search warrant at the Staten Island residence of one of the men, Farid Mamouni, on June 15, 2015, Mamouni lunged at an FBI officer and attempted to stab him multiple times with a kitchen knife, but the agent's protective gear deflected the blade. Co-conspirator Munther Omar Saleh and another unnamed individual were arrested in Queens after they stopped their vehicle and charged towards the vehicle of undercover officers who had been following them. Saleh and Mamouni pleaded guilty, receiving prison sentences of 18 and 17 years respectively. Coming up this Saturday, June 15th, a coalition of organizations are holding a clinic for people experiencing homelessness and their pets. Various groups have joined together to provide free veterinary care, basic medical care, and free supplies for both pets and humans. According to national organization My Dog is My Home, no homeless shelters in New York City currently accept animals, and studies have shown that people experiencing homelessness sometimes avoid taking advantage of social services because their pets are not allowed to accompany them. To address this need, aid agencies will hold this special street clinic that will offer services to both humans and pets. Basic veterinary care will be offered including exams, vaccinations, parasite control, and treatment of minor medical problems. On the human side of things, information will be provided on harm reduction, sexual health services, mental health referrals, and social service referrals. In addition, there will be dog grooming, free pet food, and other pet supplies. The clinic will take place at Graffiti Church in Alphabet City on 7th between Avenue B and C, beginning at 1 p.m., and a free lunch will be served in Tompkins Square Park prior to the event as part of Graffiti Church's free lunch in the park program. Visit mydogismyhome.org for more info. Turns out a Burger King in Brooklyn was taking the idea of an impossible burger a bit too literally. The restaurant had been offering the new meatless burger, called the Impossible Burger, for customers ordering delivery from Seamless, even though the veggie patties aren't scheduled to be added to the Burger King menu until the end of this year. 
However the burger ended up on the menu, it wasn't a lucky fine for anyone who ordered. Instead of clarifying the error or rejecting the order, the restaurant had been sending out standard meat-filled Whoppers when someone ordered the meatless option and instructed the delivery people to tell them about the substitution. The confusion didn't end there, as now the person was left with a meat burger and a receipt that said this was indeed the new Impossible Burger, a plant-based burger that is specifically designed to resemble beef as closely as possible. If you're in search of the real thing, use the store locator at impossiblefoods.com and visit one of the many fine city restaurants serving authentic Impossible Burgers, or wait until the end of the year when Burger King's Impossible Burger will become a reality. If you're headed to Governor's Island this summer, see if you can hitch a ride on a brand new ferry boat that will go into weekend service beginning on June 15th. The new ship, called the Governor's One, was built by Rhode Island-based Blount Boats and can carry up to 400 passengers per trip from Lower Manhattan to Governor's Island. The first trip of the new 132-foot-long ferry will leave this Saturday at 10.20 a.m. from the Battery Maritime Building at South Street, and Broad Street. Thirty-six years ago, on June 11, 1983, a man jumps to his death from the Empire State Building observation deck, the second person to do so within two weeks. Daryl King was a 22-year-old city resident who climbed over the safety fence and jumped before security guards were able to restrain him or convince him to come down. King jumped from the 86th floor and hit a taxi parked on 33rd Street. His death came just 10 days after 23-year-old Jerry Larkin from Mount Holly, New Jersey, had jumped from the building. Larkin had been apprehended at the building a week earlier as he tried to jump and was sent for observation at a hospital, but sadly returned to the building and jumped to his death. A string of suicides in 1947 prompted the installation of a mesh fence along the observation deck and training for security guards to recognize someone planning to jump. But over the years, people have still managed to climb past the fence and evade the security guards. Two years ago, on June 10, 2017, Area Code 332 becomes active to begin supplementing the dwindling amount of available 212 and 646 numbers in Manhattan. It's currently the newest area code assigned to the city, with 929 introduced in 2011 as the second newest. With the shift toward mobile phones and the portability of numbers, 332 area codes can now travel across the country, carrying on the legacy that it was once assigned to someone living in New York City. If you have a phone number with a New York area code, you may wonder why you receive scam phone calls speaking in Mandarin. It's part of a fake money transfer scheme that targets area codes with large Chinese populations in the hopes that the made-up story will scare someone who understands the language being spoken and panics when they hear they're being accused of doing something criminally wrong. The NYPD has been tracking the phone calls and, of course, urges anyone to hang up when receiving them. When translated, the messages either claim that they are calling from the Chinese consulate and that a person is suspected of financial crimes, or that they need to call back concerning their immigration status. If the person calls the number provided in the message, they will be subjected to various fraudulent attempts to gain access to their banking information. If you or someone you know has received or responded to a suspicious message, file a police report immediately.
The NYPD can be contacted at 646-610-5000. 122 years ago on June 15, 1897, a fire sweeps through Ellis Island's wood buildings, completely destroying the original structures and most immigration records that were kept there, dating back to 1855. During Reconstruction, immigrants are processed at the Barge Office along the eastern edge of the Battery in Manhattan, near Castle Clinton. A reconstructed processing center would reopen on Ellis Island on December 17, 1900, which are the red brick and limestone buildings seen there today. One hundred and thirty-five years ago, on June 16, 1884, America's first roller coaster opens in Coney Island. Named the Switchback Railway, it was 50 feet tall and traveled down 600 feet at a speed of 6 miles per hour. The inventor, LaMarcus Adna Thompson, designed the sloping track after riding a former coal mining railway in eastern Pennsylvania that people had begun using for entertainment purposes. The structure built in Coney Island ran in a straight line instead of a loop, with rolling tracks connecting two high platforms. As the train cars reached the end of the first track, they were lifted along the last slope, then switched to a return track that duplicates the ride in reverse. Here's how LaMarcus Thompson described the switchback railway in his patent application. Quote, Ordinarily, two cars will be employed and pass each other, one on the outgoing and the other on the incoming track, which will greatly increase the pleasure over which would be afforded if only a single track were used. The construction and arrangement affords a very enjoyable means for amusement and pleasure, the sensation being similar to that of coasting on the snow, with the difference that the conveyance runs on wheels and returns the passenger to the starting point without the necessity of having to walk up a hill for a second ride." Unquote. The Switchback Railway was short-lived and quickly replaced with upgraded rides and modified designs. The Cyclone, Coney Island's famous wooden roller coaster that still stands today, would open 43 years later. Hard to believe that it's been seven years since the space shuttle arrived in New York. But check the links in the show notes to see video from April 2012 of the space shuttle Enterprise arriving in New York aboard its special Boeing 747 transport vehicle, and a time-lapse video from June 12, 2012 of the space shuttle being lifted onto the Intrepid aircraft carrier's flight deck. You can now view an entire exhibition at the Intrepid about the journey the shuttle took to reach New York. Great Big City has been running a 24-hour news feed since 2010, but the AGBC News Podcast is just getting started and we need your support. A Great Big City is built on a dedication to explaining what's happening and how it fits into the larger history of New York. 
which means thoroughly researching every topic and avoiding clickbait headlines to provide a straightforward, honest, and factual explanation of the news. Individuals can make a monthly or one-time contribution at agreatbigcity.com support. And local businesses can have a lasting impact by supporting local news while promoting their products or services directly to interested customers listening to this podcast. Visit agreatbigcity.com advertising to view rates and learn more. Park of the Day. DeRosa O'Boyle Triangle on Dewey Avenue between East Tremont Avenue and Edison Avenue in the Bronx. This triangle honors William Anthony DeRosa and Andrew O'Boyle, two Throgs Neck natives who were killed during World War II. In Park's events, the Astoria Park Alliance will be holding a special Father's Day classic car show on Sunday, June 16th, starting at 11 a.m. Shore Boulevard in Astoria will be shut down and lined with over a hundred classic cars. Stop by to enjoy the autos, the gorgeous views of Manhattan, and pick up some food or gifts from the various vendors that will be there. That's Shore Boulevard between the Hell's Gate Bridge and the Pool in Astoria, on Sunday, June 16th, starting at 11 a.m. And now let's see where our robot friend will be coasting off to this weekend on the concert calendar. This is the AGBC concert calendar for the upcoming week. Full of Hell, Elizabeth Color Wheel, and Primitive Men are playing Brooklyn Night Bazaar on Friday, June 14th. Ariana Grande, Normani, and Social House are playing the Barclays Center on Friday, June 14th and Saturday, June 15th. MXPX, Rehasher, and Unwritten Law are playing Irving Plaza on Saturday, June 15th. Death Cab for Cutie and Jenny Lewis are playing Forest Hills Stadium on Saturday, June 15th. Church of Misery and Tokar playing St. Vitus Bar on Saturday, June 15th. James Chance and the Contortions and Ice Balloons are playing Our Wicked Lady on Sunday, June 16th. Da Baby is playing the PlayStation Theater in Midtown on Sunday, June 16th at 8 p.m. The Wu-Tang Clan is playing the Amphitheater at Coney Island Boardwalk on Sunday, June 16th at 8 p.m. Jojo Sewell with the Bells are playing Beacon Theater on the Upper West Side on Tuesday, June 18th at 7 p.m. Soundgarden is playing Brooklyn Steel and Greenpoint on Tuesday, June 18th at 8 p.m. Arizona and Morgan are playing Brooklyn Steel on Wednesday, June 19th. Billie Eilish and Denzel Curry are playing Radio City Music Hall on Wednesday, June 19th. Jason Isbell and Father John Misty are playing the Prospect Park Ben Shell on Wednesday, June 19th at 6 p.m. And Tank and the Bangas and Corey Henry and the Funk Apostles are playing Prospect Park Ben Shell on Thursday, June 20th. Thanks for listening. Find more fun things to do at agreatbigcity.com slash events. Here's something you may not have known about New York. You may apply to ride along with NYPD officers during their shift if you are a New York resident and at least 18 years old. 
Visit the link in the show notes to the NYPD site to find the full qualifications and how to apply. The extreme highs and lows for this week in weather history. A record high of 99 degrees on June 14, 1956. And a record low of 48 degrees on June 15, 1933. Weather for the week ahead, rain throughout the week, with high temperatures rising to 89 degrees on Monday. For the weekend, expect fair skies on Saturday, with possible light rain overnight on Sunday. Thanks for listening to A Great Big City. Follow along 24 hours a day on social media at A Great Big City, or email contact at A Great Big City with any news, feedback, or topic suggestions. Subscribe to A Great Big City News wherever you listen to podcasts, iTunes, Google Play, Player FM, Pocket Casts, or listen to each episode on the podcast pages at agreatbigcity.com slash podcast. If you enjoy the show, subscribe and leave a review wherever you're listening, and visit our podcast site to see show notes and extra links for each episode. Thanks for being part of A Great Big City. What area? New Jersey? No, no, it's right here in the city.